0: Hi guys this is the first episode at the moment for the memory alpha podcast and we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of memory alpha memory alpha started in november 2003 and uh, with us on the panel we have dan and harry from usa and the netherlands as well as jan from uh, northern germany um, I am Florian. I started the German uh, version of Memory Alpha just in, what was it, May? May 2004. And uh, let's have a little introduction of everyone. We go in a- alphabetical order, so Dan, Harry, and Jan. I'd like to ask you three questions, and this is, what is your favorite Star Trek series, your favorite Star Trek film, and what is your Favorite? Star Trek villain or Star Trek doctor? For me, the series is, uh, I think, Star Trek Discovery. It's a little strange in the later seasons. And my favorite Star Trek film is Star Trek uh, Search for Spock. Ah, villain. Um, Soren, Dr. Soren, because he uh, was fighting against Picard
1: and uh, against Kirk. Uh, what about you, Dan? All right, hello. I'm I'm Dan. My favorite Star Trek series is probably still my first one, Deep Space 9. That was the one that got me to fall in love and I discovered all the others from there. My favorite film I'd have to say is First Contact. Uh I love both sides of that story, the the Borg on the ship but also the optimism of First Contact itself and the story of uh the Phoenix and Cochrane. Favorite villain is that's a tough one but I'll, I'll have to stick with uh, Deep Space Nine and say Gold Dukat. Or
0: you can choose the doctor, maybe.
1: I'd say if I was going to have a uh, favorite doctor, I would choose Dr. Crusher.
2: Um, I'm Harry from the Netherlands, as uh, Florian said. Favorite series? Um, I think I'll keep it old school and say the original series because that's what started it all. They had the most vision, I think, of all of them because they thought about Star Trek. Favorite movie, maybe the motion picture as well. I don't think a movie like that could be made today. They went full science fiction with it. And, and then favorite doctor or villain, right? For villain, I think Nero from the 2009 movie was very fun. Just a normal guy with some big problems. <laughs> Especially when uh, he met uh, Christopher Pike. Hello, Christopher. I thought that was
3: really funny. <laughs> and favorite doctor has to be McCoy because, well, he's the Star Trek doctor, I guess. Yeah, I think then it's my turn. So um, my favorite uh, Star Trek series is um, also Deep Space Nine. So that was what kept me on the track, even though I start with TNG. That was uh, some kind of ritual after coming back from school back then. Yeah, favorite um, Star Trek film. I think it's um, uh, The Wrath of Khan. That is exciting. They, they have the submarine style in there. Uh, that was really, really cool to, to see. And Spotlight. I, I watched it much later than, than in a cinema, of course. Uh, so, uh, it was already clear that he will resurrect next week when, when the other movie is played. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was when, when I uh, saw the movie. And, uh, favorite doctor, I think, um, this would be Bajir. Uh, going back to DeepSys9, I think it's, um, yeah, his, his excitement and then the, uh, the arc that they, that he had, uh, from the naive, um, young, uh, doctor on his uh, first assignment to, oh, I'm out in the front here and, uh, now everything is completely changed to what was years ago.
0: Yeah, I already uh, said that I started the German uh, Memory Alpha and um, maybe I should add that uh, Jan and me both more or less started the German Memory Alpha. Uh, back in May 2004, but uh, let's start with our journey with uh, Dan and Harry, uh, who started the original, the, the English uh, Memory Alpha. Is it true that you started it in November 2003, or is it actually even older than this?
1: As I recall, it, it wasn't that much sooner than that. It took a little while, but only by a couple of months. Harry, I I remember was the one who posted the, uh, the idea on the flare forum. I had just kind of responded with my own background of, of working on an individual database for myself. And then from there, we just kind of put it together within a couple of months. So it was a relatively short run, you know, run up to the actual launch, but there was obviously some, you know, excitement and, uh, trials and there was a false start as I recall in the meantime, trying different software. Uh but it did come together relatively quickly.
2: Well, I posted my original idea on the forums and Dan was working on his own website and he had the knowledge about hosting and running the software. We came together via the forum. Um and then yeah, we tried a few different types of wiki. We settled on it being a wiki quite soon, I think. Yeah, and then in November, we invited more people
0: via the forums, I think. And then after a few weeks, we really launched officially. Why did you choose a wiki? Because um, I think there were um, things like this, Star Trek encyclopedias or Star Star Trek databases uh, before. And uh, what was the idea behind the wiki? Well, for me... Back in those days,
2: uh, a lot of people made their own websites, something that doesn't really happen that much anymore. So there were a lot of Star Trek fans that made their websites. One person made a website about starships. One made it about aliens. So everyone had their own little niche. Um, But And I also had my own website. And my experience was, it's fun for a few months, and then you lose interest and do something else. And it... All these great databases were never finished, really. Wikipedia was about three years old, maybe, at the time.
1: I had never heard of Wikipedia when uh, you brought that up. So I had to go look that up myself. Ah. Uh, That's how new it was. Yeah, just a few years old.
2: So my idea was if everyone is working in the same database, then if someone loses interest, there's probably someone else who can take over.
0: Yeah, Dan is actually running his own
1: website, is it? It's mostly dead, but not all dead. Uh, I still update it. I keep putting little things every now and then, a blog post, or I add a few things for reference. Uh, but not, not regularly. Who came up with, um, the name Memorial for? Oh,
0: that's a good question. I mean, it's, from an episode right yes of course i know but the the I behind the scenes uh, uh, explanation but you could have chosen any other name
2: yeah i think it happened early in the process
0: but
1: i actually don't have a memory of uh why we chose that either to be honest no but i think it just it felt, felt right i guess
3: yeah it's uh the the natural thing that you come up with um i think they are have been different memory alphas um, before, not in the digital sense as we experience it today, but memory alpha is just that database name for Star Trek stuff. And then
0: Harry
1: um, uh, ordered the domain or? For the first couple of months, uh, it was on my website. I just set up a subdomain as we were getting things up and running. And then after that, yeah, Harry got the domain name, and we moved it onto its own server. Chris Trickwell made us a logo
2: at that time as well. Yes. He also yes. made logos for your website, I think, or you your oh. posted his designs.
1: Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm hosting his designs. He uh, was just posting and sharing on the forums, and I asked, would he like me to make a gallery to put them all together, because they were just so well done. And then I asked, <laughs> hey, could you make one for Memory Alpha? And... 20 years later, we're still using it.
3: The, the, the designer um, is going by the name Reverend in the Flare Formal, is it, right? Yeah. yeah, Yes, correct. Yeah, he made a lot of good logos. Yeah, totally. And
0: then, uh, Harry, um, you ran the website on your server, and I think you even asked for donations in the first uh, few weeks or months. I don't know how long that uh, went on your side. Yeah, and it ran on
2: Dan's uh, server,
0: but... Yeah, with donations for a while.
2: I I seem to remember that uh, we didn't really break even with that. Uh, I think it cost more to host back in those days than it
0: does today. And didn't get that many donations, I think. So uh, you you lost money on that uh, uh, enterprise. Yeah, I think
2: uh, some months it worked and some months it didn't. And I think we were both students at the time, at least I was.
1: I was so. Still.
2: Yeah, and then the hosting moved. I don't know if you want to go into that now or. And, uh, I, rem- I
0: think we, we moved to WikiCities, wasn't name yeah. back then? I remember remember
2: even from the very early days, I think we had some discussion or there was discussion on Wikipedia, like, why isn't this, this just part of Wikipedia? Why are you making your own thing? Because we have the big encyclopedia. So that was a very brief discussion. Um, and another thing i remember is that i personally on the very first days i never really saw it as just canon star trek just we might as well describe everything mm-hmm. um, but i think we very quickly decided no we just stick to canon add the animated series because why not and then i don't really know when memory beta started but
1: I remember part of that discussion about deciding what, uh, was going to be included and what wasn't. And at the time, I remember we were drawing very heavily on resources like the, uh, the, uh, the hardback Star Trek encyclopedia and trying to find rest references and to keep it consistent between all the books because some of us have read certain books, but not others. And some haven't read any books. Uh, trying to make it approachable, trying to make memory alpha approachable so that everybody could contribute to it. Uh, I recall that was something that we were, I think that was kind of why we tried to steer towards the canon side of things. Uh, combining that with creating the, uh, the narrative consistency of the articles, uh, from memory alpha, trying to write them out as if they were an actual encyclopedia. It was something where we needed to figure out what are we going to include and what aren't we? Because a lot of the novels – I did read novels for a while and they were great, but fitting them into the story of what happened in the episodes themselves was something that would have been really difficult at best. Uh, And I suppose part of it was a limitation of the software. Uh, because at the time it was just all one giant page, one long page. So we couldn't really have this part is the canon material. This part is the licensed material. Uh, now I know that wiki software has options for showing like, here's the new canon. Here's the old canon as, you know, some of the other fan wikis have, uh, information like that.
3: Yeah. And what uh, draw you to the conclusion to also include uh, the animated series? Uh, it's absent in the um, official encyclopedia. That was, I think, controversial at that time, right? It was at the time.
1: And I remember thinking I hadn't even seen it because it was hard to get. You know, the, you know, I don't even remember when it had come out on DVDs, but I either hadn't it hadn't come out or I hadn't had the money to buy it. But I figured it's a TV show it's about Star Trek and they did have all those little sparse references to the show. So I figured let's include it. And because of the wiki format, we can remove it later on if we decide we don't want to. But uh I suppose in its own way, the fact of including it then kind of led to its rehabilitation. Uh, maybe just a small part of that, but I know that as time went on, it was uh embraced more and more by the, uh, by the powers that be. Yes.
2: The animated series in the official ins- the print encyclopedia today or still not?
1: Uh, I don't know about the last edition of it, uh, if that was or not. But it, it, but there was a big gap between uh, the last one that was published in, I want to say, 1999, and then the uh, the late 2000s edition or 2015, somewhere around there.
3: But it was uh, produced by the same uh, staff, Mm -hmm. and it it was including um, all the original actors, um, Mm -hmm. except uh, for... Except for Chekhov. Yes, yes, except for Chekhov.
0: Okay, I was on the main page of the English version of Memory Alpha, and I looked up the first version... And it was from November 23rd. It said memory alpha consists of 770 articles. That was way before we included the variable where you see the actual number. So it was written by hand, 770 uh, articles. And I was wondering if maybe uh, Dan or Harry already uh, wrote about 800 articles and just included this in the first version of the Memory Alpha.
1: As I recall that that was a big part of the early stages of setting up Memory Alpha was just creating the skeleton of it. I mean, we needed to have a page for every episode and and that was a lot of work at first. I remember I kind of moved over some things from my own personal database, uh, manipulating text, creating the wiki text. That was a a lot of work and a lot of text massaging. Uh, So yeah, so there were a lot of those uh, pages and edits that had to be created. So I'd be willing to bet that at least half of those articles were probably just Uh, placeholders for the episodes themselves. And then people would go into an episode and link and say, all right, Spock was in this episode, create the link for Spock. And then it could, you know, expand from there.
0: Funny that you, you mentioned this because, um, I actually, uh, dug up something I did, uh, uh, 20 years ago on the German version. And that is actually, also my way to approach this thing so uh, i was writing the help uh, pages the internal memory alpha uh, pages the the boilerplates and then i started with all the episode lists yeah and then came
3: me so um i, I just had a look up so i i expanded your uh, next generation page with listing all the different pages there and um Bringing the, the Star Trek content in there, I, I remember you trying to stop me editing, and um, while, while you were still setting up the the environment. Now, yeah.
1: well, that's one of the things that really I think was so successful about the wiki format was just exactly what you were doing, Jan. Is that you see this project and you think, oh, I don't have to do it all myself. I can focus on just the parts that I'm interested and in, write a few articles about that and then move on. Uh, you know, it was definitely very scary because of the idea of not being so protective of the whole project, letting other people say what they want and it doesn't necessarily match your own view of what is in the show. And from all of that, we, it took a while. And I know that there was a lot of, uh, You know, Florian, you mentioned the the boilerplate and the help articles because so many people just didn't even know how Wikipedia worked. So I do remember putting a lot of those guideline articles up to kind of help inform people who may or may not have chosen to actually read those pages, but at least we had a reference to point to to help kind of set some guidelines that we could at least all agree on.
0: Just a question. Uh, now that you mention it, I know I copied this more or less or translated this from the English Memory Alpha. Where did you get your reference
1: for for the policies and guidelines? From uh, Wikipedia and a couple of the other uh, early Wiki websites. <laughs> Mostly Wikipedia, but I think there was another um, general-purpose Wiki that was uh, using different software, but that had some community going at the time. So we are standing don't on the shoulders the of
0: giants.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, that was something that, you know, Wikipedia was the first general purpose encyclopedia. And I don't know if Memory Alpha was literally the first fan wiki, but I think it was de- definitely the first one that really took off.
2: Yeah, I was actually uh, looking at that today. Cause there were a couple of wikis at around at the same time. Uh the Battlestar Galactica one, the Star Wars one, the World of Warcraft one, those were all early wikis. But I think the earliest one I found started in two thousand and four for Warcraft. So I think Memory
0: Alpha might at least one of the first, let's say that. We are in the top ten, let's agree on that.
3: yeah <laughs> Um, and we are constantly linked on the um, official Wikipedia pages. If you want to uh, have more information, have a look in uh, Memory Alpha.
0: Harry, you mentioned that Memory Alpha moved from the private server to the um, mm. commercial server. I, I just say commercial server because, um, yeah, Wikicities is more or less a commercial company. But Wikicities has some, some connection to Wikipedia or Wikimedia. Can you describe so- this? As I understood it, the founders of Wiki cities
2: were also members of the Wikimedia Foundation or Wikipedia Foundation. I think we were first contacted by Eric Müller. I think what he provided was basically a managed hosting for memory alpha with the trade off that we would have some Google ads on the site. That's how it started. But then he would host it for us and I think keep it updated for us, the software.
0: So it was never an ad free or non commercial product.
2: Uh, only when we hosted ourselves and then it moved to uh, WikiCities.
0: Uh. On Memory Alpha, you have a certain license for, for the content,
3: for the text content. Share, like is not in there. It's uh, just creative comments by and non-commercial.
0: And you chose the non-commercial part to, um, appease the license holder of uh, Star Trek, the franchise.
1: Basically, yeah. I mean, as I remember, I, I was doing some research. Uh, Wikipedia at the time had a uh, a different license. Uh, they were using, I think, the GFDL license. And even at that time, there was some discussion about that not being a great license for Wikipedia. So I was already, uh, you know, seeing some information about Creative Commons. So that seemed very attractive. And I remember thinking that at the time, the most reasonable thing to do would be to make it non-commercial to help appease and to, uh, hopefully, uh, reassure the, the Paramount lawyers that, uh, this is not something where we're trying to make money. And from that, we just kind of put that license in there. And I don't think any of us really considered quite how long term this project would be uh cuz we have legally been you know kept kept with that license i don't think it's really hurt us too much uh but at the same time there have been a couple of uh conflicts because i know between memory alpha is on the by nc license a memory beta is on the by sa license which, which is what most of the rest of the, uh, the fandom wikis now are on as well. So it's a, it's a trade off, a little bit inconvenient, but within memory alpha itself, it's not a huge deal.
0: If you would have known that memory alpha would become a big name, uh,
1: would, would you have uh, hosted the service on your private server? I, th- I think <clears> at the time it probably was too expensive. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I did not have a, uh, you know, I was in college and I didn't have a regular job until, you know, 2005 after college. Uh And even then, of course, I had other obligations and such. So I didn't really have a whole lot of budget to maintain that. So there was definitely a real attraction to to that. Do I have some regrets about that? A little bit, yeah. Uh You know, would well, yeah. it be, be still, you know, a little bit more... uh Hold on to that and shepherd it to keep it a little bit more uh, focused without all the distracting ads. Yes, would have loved to keep that. But I don't think there was any practical way that we could have gotten that. Because it did just grow so big with all the server requirements.
2: Yeah, and and of course, the server updates and software updates. I think, I mean, if you would start it now, obviously it would be hosted in the cloud, some kind of virtual host, not very... Uh, expensive but back then web hosting was a bit more uh, involved um, you had to have a dedicated server i think
1: um so yeah and harry you mentioned server updates or software updates and that just reminded me of the time fairly early on when i botched one of the software updates for the wikimedia software and it literally we lost six weeks worth of updates of, of the content for memory alpha. Uh, that was in early 2004, first half of the year at some point. So it was still relatively new. Uh, so it felt really scary. And I was like, Oh my goodness. What did I just do here? And, you know, of course, at that point, there were enough contributors that we kind of recovered relatively quickly. Uh, so at this point, it's just a footnote, but that was the sort of thing that we had to deal with to maintain all of that software. And I was, you know, I have a, a personal interest in technology, but I didn't have any experience running a server. And so, you know, I was just trying to figure it out as I went along.
2: Yeah, remem- I remember it was almost like a new start,
0: basically, from there. But yeah. <laughs> And uh do do you know uh, do you remember the timeline, Harry? So um you found um founded um, Memory Alpha in two thousand three and I just looked it up. Uh Wikicities uh, was founded in two thousand four. So you ran the server for uh, more or less a year. I think and so yeah. And you got contacted from uh, uh Wikicities at that time? Uh, they came to us um, to uh, help us hosting uh, with this uh, wiki, maybe
2: because we were one of the visible uh, media wiki installations out there.
1: I know that I was in touch with uh, one or two people at uh, Wikimedia because I was trying to figure out how to get the uh, the software to work, and it was relatively. Uh, you know, brief conversations, but I think that's how they became aware of us. And then as Memory Alpha started to grow, then there were more people and they realized, oh, this is uh, actually a successful use of our software. I
0: vaguely remember that there were uh, downloads for for the database. So I could download the complete Memory Alpha uh, database and then have this database installed locally on my uh, my computer
3: and uh, play around with it. That, that, that I think that was a general um, service um, because uh, I remember that I connected a bot that was using exactly this uh, feature that you could download the database, crawl it, and then search for typos, missing links, correcting links, and so on. I think that was a standard uh, feature of the software, actually.
1: I think so, too, because I'm pretty sure Wikipedia had that back before wikipedia was too big to uh to download uh
3: so the the database itself is um just the text but um it's accompanied by all the media and i think that was what what's still today the the more expensive um, stuff for the database it's more like um yeah providing fast access and that pages load um fast that um the content can be rendered correctly but um
1: as I recall, I mean, early on when we were starting Memory Alpha, we definitely focused a lot on text and there weren't a whole lot of pictures. Uh, you know, it was usually, there were, pl- most articles didn't have any pictures at all. And then there were, you know, some articles that would have, you know, just one picture and that was enough. And some of the longer ones you'd add two, maybe three, but that was usually about it. Uh, now. I think it's great because it definitely makes the material a whole lot more uh immersive and easy to follow along where you have uh you know so many images to illustrate like for character articles uh I love how they have both their first appearance and their last appearance uh so you can see what they looked like uh for comparison that's a, a neat idea that I no idea who had that when they, whenever they started doing that in the template that was uh, a neat way to help integrate media into those biographies uh but we didn't really focus on that in the early days just wanted to have the content the text itself Mm
3: -hmm. i just had a look uh york uh joined in september 2005 and
1: he has 18,000 edits so oh is that all oh york isn't unstoppable there it's awesome Uh, um i know that with uh a lot of my early edits were just little maintenance things so uh that was something that kind of built up uh, over time. Although, honestly, the things that I'm most proud about with uh, helping to get started was that by starting from the Star Trek encyclopedia, all of those entries were just so incredibly short. If you had a four-sentence entry, that was long. And so there were so many summary details in there that got lost. And I wanted to really flesh out that. Uh It also helped – I was in college, I was a history major, so I loved the uh, the potential for storytelling, to help weave together these events from one episode to another to another. Uh, and I think an early example that really kind of set the tone was I wrote a big chunk uh, about the Klingon Civil War in Next Generation. So I started writing it literally like a history essay – and telling the uh the story of how uh Chancellor Compak was uh was dying or assassinated and then the struggle for uh leadership between Gallon and Doras and then the events of the redemption two parter and the actual conflict uh and so i think with those types of stories that's what really excited me was to be able to make it not just a complete Encyclopedia, a complete reference, but also that we could use it to tell these long form stories to help put in as much detail and interpretation as was necessary to help make, make it a more complete reference. And I think that really worked well. There were a lot more articles that came after that one.
3: Yeah. Was this when uh, the featured articles were started?
1: Possibly. I know f- featured articles is probably another thing we borrowed from Wikipedia. Uh, but would be around that time probably.
2: Yeah. What I also really liked about um, those days is you could clearly see different people having different interests and really focusing on their part of Star Trek. Like uh, I myself was, was obsessing with uh, aliens and especially the Federation members. Um, and I really liked fleshing out some of the animated series stuff. Um, and yeah, you made the, uh, um, Uh, like his historical articles about what actually happened and i also remember people like uh, charles trotter who somehow found out everything about background extras and every actor that ever appeared wrote whole articles about them i thought that was really amazing like okay here's someone you see him for five seconds this is who he is this is all the other people
0: he ever acted with when did this start? that there were some articles without name uh so character articles without name. It was I think uh episode and then a tilde sign, and then one, two, three, four for every piece of person, a foot, a hand they they made screenshots uh, uh and and enlarged the screenshot to see there is a foot of someone we don't know who it is, but we have to document it. I think that was someone's uh, obsession at the time. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I, also I forget that. when that started.
3: I also remember there was already a page out there where they um, did this for um, the original series and uh, discovered, for example, that there were recurring uh, characters that had uh, one or two or three names, died, re- were resurrected, and, and stuff like this. And I think uh, that was then um, also put into... Uh, memory alpha yeah i think those kinds of lists predate memory alpha to be honest because
2: i think there have always been efforts to find out how many people were actually on the enterprise like how many
1: different faces do we see (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's a fan project there i know there were several uh early projects i remember one that was trying to document every uh crew person's name on voyager because they weren't getting any uh crew rotations yeah that was interesting
2: and they had Uh, 150
0: people on board so at some point you have seen all of them (laughs) and uh, speaking of torpedoes or was it uh, shuttlecrafts i think there is a a recurring joke Of uh, they only uh, they they came to the Delta Quadrant with how many shuttlecrafts? Four, five, six. They we lost them. one every second episode. They lose a shuttle, yes. I think. Yep. <laughs>
1: and half of them were crashed by Chicote. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I wasn't literally counting, but it sure seemed like it. Um, but thanks to Prodigy, now we know there's a vehicle replicator. Yeah, great series. Great series. So this is, this is just one of the things I loved is all these little niche corners, different aspects of it. And it's something that just kind of passes the time and you're able to just learn a little more about it. And even the producers, the people making the show, they don't always have the time to plan these things out. And so sometimes you end up with, you know, 200 faces appearing on a ship with 150 people, you know, you know, 17 shuttlecraft lost, but then you can come up with stories and ways that that actually fits in. Uh, so it's always fun to uh, to see those things that is like, no, I never noticed that, but somebody else did.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't know about Lieutenant Leslie without uh, Memory Alpha. It's a 30 um, kilobyte uh, article, and um, he's just a redshirt in uh, the original series. Um,
0: Dan, you mentioned you wrote an essay on the Klingon War. Where did you get the information about that? Was not it from the books, from the encyclopedia?
1: It was from the encyclopedia and from the episodes. So I was basically recounting the events uh, in that was in the episode. But then using – I was definitely adding a little bit of uh, interpretation uh, in some ways. Uh But – for the most part it was really just a uh, a summary in a way. Uh but rather than just having the summary of the events episode by episode, it was a summary of this theme, this story arc as it progressed across all of those stories.
2: Yeah, I think um, the Star Trek Encyclopedia and the the Chronology were the two main books that was basically the source of canon. Mm. Um, which
3: variants of this have do you have
2: the first and second of both okay um i think
1: yeah there (laughs) yeah mine are Um, downstairs but i've got the uh the first three encyclopedias one of the chronologies oh and the technical manuals
2: oh yeah of course Mm
1: -hmm. next generation and deep space nine technical manuals
2: and my first edition encyclopedia has completely fallen apart because i've (laughs) <laughs> read it too much. Yeah.
3: Do you also have <laughs> notes in there? Yes, I have. <laughs> I have.
1: <laughs> yeah, good team. Yeah. You know. Well, that's a- actually to talk about the encyclopedia for a little bit. That's actually where I got my start with just the idea of cataloging these things. So in the uh in the mid 90s, uh I was using you know the encyclopedia and that was my primary resource because that was before the internet was terribly widespread so i was creating uh well first i started a spreadsheet uh and then from there then i used a uh, database software on my family computer uh, called filemaker pro uh, my dad used uh, the family computer for work as well so i had access to this fairly fancy program I made sure to make it look like the Elkar's interface. And so I had a long list of every ship that was listed in the encyclopedia. Then I started a list of every episode, started making lists of characters and such. So it was all very interactive and I was building it solely for my own enjoyment. As time went on, like around 1999, 2000, I started thinking, how can I share this? But – The software was several hundred dollars, so it was something that was very difficult to share. That was when I started my website uh, as a kind of alternative, thinking maybe someday I'll put my database up there too. Then came along the Memory Alpha project.
2: Yeah, I also remember very clearly um, I grew up with the next generation, and then someday I saw in a shop... One of the posters of the Enterprise D, the cutaway poster. And that's the moment I realized, wait a minute, they've actually thought about this. This ship actually makes sense and there are places in the ship that are actual places. There's a bridge, transporter room, you can go there, they figure out how that works. So that's the moment for me where Star Trek suddenly became like, okay, you can think about this and you can think about how this universe works. Yeah, and especially interesting was that it showed all the previous enterprises. And hey, I know the first one, I know this one, but there are Enterprise C, Enterprise B. What? What's that? I never saw those movies or episodes. Maybe I was too young to understand it. So that really got the imagination going. From okay, this is a whole ship, thousands of people, and all kinds of other ships. Nineteen ninety nine, I got uh, we got an internet connection at home. And I remember one of the first people I spoke to about Star Trek was Bernd Schneider from uh, Ex-Astria So and via him and some mailing lists and stuff like that, I discovered Flare, and a few years later it was Memory Alpha.
3: Also, um, the very same. So I also had this um, poster. I, I think we are talking about the, exactly the same poster, uh, same accent, Plopedia, Chronology. I didn't have the technical manual, though. Um, but I had a book about, uh, background information in, uh, Deep Space Nine. And, uh, that is actually the, the, the thing that is most, uh, most worn, uh, next to the, uh, encyclopedia.
1: Uh, Jan, is that the one with, uh, the making of where they talk about like the early scripts and the production of the show? From, from, uh, Deep Space Nine? Yes. Yeah. 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 With, with uh, a little higher oh yep i have that same book yes concept
3: drawings of um of this and uh yeah oh that's beautiful show me more what do you want to know um alien background images how they built the station yes wonderful so uh, so creative I, I just wished at that time that I could uh, draw with that quality, um, to, to draw some, uh, some spacecraft and design on sh- uh, spacecraft. But, um, yeah, my, my strength was finding, uh, errors in other people's, uh, work.
1: Uh, everybody's, uh, mentioned, uh, Baron Schneider and, uh, yeah, Scientia and Flare. I think that's really a common part here. Of course, obviously Flare is where the, uh, that's kind of the nexus point, because that's when Harry brought up the idea, uh, so we all have a connection there anyway. but I mean I'm still amazed at how strong exAstra scientia is going, and that Baron lets that you know to talk about some of the the technology and the uh, you know the background materials so fascinating there. The observations I'm still amazed by, and I know thats uh, a lot of that is Jurg also.
2: Yeah, Jörg's observations can be a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know what kind of database he uses, but it's on a different
3: level. <laughs> I, I think that uh, database is pen and paper. I asked him about this once.
2: <laughs>
3: really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Wow. Well, were you also um, active on the track BBS um, uh, at, at that time? I think we didn't talk about advertisement uh, yet. Or advertising to get new archi- um, oh. yeah,
1: contributors in there. So, uh, that's right. Yeah, the Trek BBS. Uh, that was another uh, community that I posted at at the time. Uh, and I know, I think that's actually one of the first places that we put in an announcement that uh, when we were trying to solicit, you know, like publicly to get people to uh, to just start casually dropping by. Um, Trek today. That's the, uh, that was their associated news site. So posting, you know, contributing an announcement there and getting people from some of the other message boards to join in. Um, I remember we kind of took it slow. We wanted to make sure that we didn't, you know, have too many people all at once. So we started just me and Harry. Then we brought in a few other people from Flare and then we started announcing it to uh Trek Today and Trek BBS and then there were a few other places after that. And then the word of mouth just naturally spread. I'm trying to remember when the um the first actual credits for Memory Alpha started happening. Um I know that there were a couple of novels in you know, the mid two thousands and I know that uh, Mike Sussman was uh, was contributing materials towards the uh, the last season of Enterprise.
2: Just looked that up by the way today. He joined very early on, and he's still he's been active since quite recently. So he's yeah. I think that was one of the first times um, someone from actual Star Trek noticed us. And I also remember early on we got an email from the people from Joe uh, Trimble about. Uh, Some kind of detail on your website is wrong. Can you fix it? (laughs) I still remember that because, okay, we're getting noticed now. That's interesting.
0: (laughs) Memory Alpha grew in popularity, not only with the fans, but also with the production side and with the writers' room. And I think Memory Alpha is now one of the most important um, resources if you want to build on the legacy of Star Trek. Because... How many series and how many films uh, do we have now with Star Trek? It's, it's a tremendous amount of, of uh, time and 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 uh, stories you have to uh, keep in your mind to to have uh, to build on uh, your show or your next series and or your next episode. And, uh, uh, do, do you want to speak now about your, uh, big moment of fame you had with Star Trek, or do you want to, uh, stretch it out until later?
1: Sure. We can talk about it now.
0: Yeah.
2: I do remember that, um, um, before that happened, we had, con- we, well, we got a message from the production office or whatever of the first movie. Um, again about some information that was not correct Uh, so i think that was the first first contact with uh, the new movie uh uh, producers but yeah then came what was it 2015 16 15 yeah that was a strange Uh, tuesday afternoon
1: (laughs) it was i think i actually saw harry's email first um about that and then i looked at my inbox and i saw i happened to be off that day and the email subject literally said from simon pegg and i thought okay really actor
0: writer producer simon Pegg. so i think he also um attached an image so you could be sure that it's not something pretending uh, uh being simon yes yeah that's so we, we ma- knew
2: Mm-hmm. That's how the email started with a big picture of him holding <laughs> a.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'd already known we'd already known that he was uh, co-writing the movie, but the email was describing how he'd been using it for all of the references. You know, to make sure that everything kind of fit in, even though it was a different universe. You know, different timeline, I should say. Uh, but it was still a, uh, you know, keeping it consistent with, you know, names and places and technology. And then he was asking for us to, uh, to contribute to an idea that he had for an element in the story. Did you know the
0: name of the movie? I think uh, later on it was released as Star Trek Beyond. Yes. No, Correct. no, no name was mentioned. But what was kind of funny, we had to sign a
2: document. <laughs> yes of course.
0: Um, N- non-disclosure agreement. Non-disclosure on
2: penalty of losing our jobs with the f- movie or something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that actually had a code name for the movie. I don't really remember something I don't remember. Uh, exactly you double, you
0: have to double check your NDA not uh, yeah. that oh, you lose shit. your job I might still lose industry. my job.
2: Mm. Please censor this part of the I believe that's That was kind of funny. Um, Yeah, and yeah, he he gave us some description of what they needed or what role the elements played in movie that they wanted a name for and a little bit of background. So I think we hashed it out in a few hours.
1: (laughs) It was just a few hours. I mean, he was basically what Simon Pegg was asking for was a unique Vulcan mineral that they could detect by sensors. And that was about all he gave us. Uh, but he needed a name and he wanted some technical qualities about it. Harry had the idea of the uh, the technical aspects of it, as I remember.
2: The first thing I thought about was, okay, Vulcans and some kind of radioactive element. So the first thing I thought of was their history of um, the time of awakening with uh, basically nuclear war. And then I started researching that a little bit. And it turned out that people actually made jewelry from radioactive glass from the trinity explosions in the 50s so it was a real thing that happened in the 1950s in the u.s they exploded the one or more nukes in the desert and the sand turned to glass and before people really understood how dangerous that is they at least some of that was sold as jewelry Um, (laughs) so i mean if you start trackify that into well it's radioactive with some kind of signature that's specific to Vulcan, and of course starship sensors can track that over distances <laughs> that's that was my uh
0: my idea about it uh, how did you communicate basically is that in a chat or on the phone or i think it was a whole lot of frantic emails back and forth
2: it's a, <laughs> it <was> a <laughs> lot
1: of emails
2: yeah. Yeah. And then you came up with the name, I think, from, uh, yeah.
1: I was looking at a bunch of different websites that had Vulcan information on them. Uh, you know, different names. Some of them were official names. I, I definitely checked memory alpha for some of the, uh, Vulcan words that were used, especially from, uh, the episode Amok time. Uh, I remember there was one that was, like there were at least two hyphens in the name uh cuz i was thinking of uh kunot kalafi uh but that was definitely a little too long gradually we we kind of worked back and forth came up with a list of ideas but the top of the list was the name vokaya now we uh, it was just between the two of us uh i mean we definitely were using other resources uh for the list and so i think the word Vocal was a vulcan word for like remember or something and so we were kind of developing that into saying well maybe when we'll, we we'll have like a memory stone or something like that yeah um
2: i think uh the second half was something
1: like mount salehia something mountain like Yeah, know Vokal Haya maybe was where we were going to it and then we shortened it further in retrospect uh a memory stone is a great gift to give to your girlfriend <laughs> As long as she doesn't know it's a tracking device. (laughs) (laughs) That was, we didn't know anything about that. We didn't know that it was, you know, Uhura's necklace. We didn't know any of the context about why they were tracking it or who was using the material or who had it. Uh, We knew nothing of that until we saw the movie. Uh, The closest we got was when they released some of the teaser material and they showed the scene where uhura tries to give the necklace back and harry and i were then emailing back and forth again and we were asking each other is this it you think this is uh what we were working on and it turned out yes but we did not know you met simon peck at the premiere of the movie i did yes so uh we got an invitation only 10 days before the premiere okay uh, so it was very, very short notice, yeah. uh, to go out to San Diego, uh, to watch the movie. And basically some people at, uh, Paramount had, had seen, cause Simon Pegg did give some interviews. Uh, he'd been talking in general, general terms about referencing memory alpha. And so they found out about it and somebody decided to, uh, invite us. Uh, I was sure I couldn't, you know, make it because of uh my job i already had my schedule for that week uh but i had some amazing uh co-workers and managers at the store and they said yeah we can we can make this work uh so i was able to to go Mm -hmm. and harry i don't know if you even had the remote consideration of being able to
2: um no very briefly but it was too short notice and way too expensive
0: <laughs> yeah the plane tickets and so on yeah
2: yeah but i would have given up my job to go there if it wasn't that expensive i just i have to go by. <laughs> yeah but no sadly it didn't work out that way but i was uh, i think uh, via skype
1: but yeah when you said you couldn't go i thought we've got skype we've got facetime you know i can do something from the phone so I said, at the very least, had to make sure that you were there for that.
2: Yeah. For me, it was four o'clock in the morning on the red carpet, and then afterwards I had to go to work.
0: <laughs> but you slept that night before, or uh, I, somewhat, yeah. <laughs> but for you, you had the whole day there, or an evening, or?
1: Yes. Yeah, we flew out the day before. I, you know, I had a, a a friend come with me, so we flew out the day before, and uh, then because it was. 7 p.m. or so on the west coast of U.S. and hanging out on the red, car- red carpet with uh, a couple of uh, the folks from Wikia, which was the name at the time. It was Wiki C- Wiki cities. then it was Wikia, then it was fandom. They've gone through a couple of iterations over the years. Um, and then all watching the parade of all of the, uh, the stars and producers going by. And Simon Pegg was one of the last. And we had what five minutes, mm-hmm. yeah, but it was a, a great conversation just to meet him and talk for a couple of minutes and catch up, and then and then got to see the movie. Did you ask him why he asked you
0: both of you um, for for the plot uh, device or for the name of the thing?
1: He did say uh, in the original email uh, that. It was kind of a thank you gesture in a way to kind of recognize the fan, you know, the, the fan con- contribution. Um, the one thing that I we, we didn't get any direct input as to because because our names did appear in the credits. Uh, if I'd had uh, any input, I would have said, "Could you put Memory Alpha in there also?"
2: Yeah, I would have also liked to have seen Memory Alpha there because, of course, we are we just started this, and then all the other people
0: made Memory Alpha. How how long did you uh, stay active on Memory Alpha? Um, I stopped actively contributing around
2: uh, let's see, 2006. So, what's that? Three years or something. And I fa- actually found my own post saying it because the reasons I gave then were there's no more Star Trek on TV and I was obsessed with things like Battlestar Galactica and Lost. So, and Okay. Also, editing a wiki is actually can be quite uh, addictive. Uh, You can spend a lot of time in it correcting each other and adding new things and clicking every non existent link and writing a little article. So, yeah, I I stopped at some point and then
1: it was similar for me. I, uh, you know, it was around 2006, give or take, and I got a little burned out. That uh, just putting, you know, writing more material, writing, you know, maintaining, editing, uh, it got to the point where I just, it I, it didn't feel as fun. And it felt a little more like a chore. Uh, but because there were so many other people contributing, and they, and we had uh, n- several other admins at that point, I just kind of gradually, st- you know, faded away a little bit into the background. Uh, I never stopped visiting. Uh, I visit... If not daily, multiple times a week, uh, you know, especially now that there's uh, you know new material on finally again over the last uh, five years, beyond the movies, I mean, can't can't overlook the movies, but they were just like one time events. Uh, so I was always going, you know, looking on the website to refer, you know, for conversation, for my own memory to refresh of uh, refreshing my knowledge, but. Actually editing and contributing was something that I just kind of stepped away from.
2: Which is, of course, exactly the whole point of Memory Alpha. Someone else probably takes over because Star Trek fans are very meticulous about their uh, fandom. There will always be someone wanting to make lists of things, I think.
3: <laughs> yeah, I also had to, uh, the, had to look it up. So, um it was also around 2006-2007. Back then I I moved and uh I just didn't have um, time. I just finished my bachelor uh, degree. Plus, I think um back then there was also the um uh, event where they had the auction of all the background material. And I think this also um started whole new discussion because uh, we as the uh, fans finally had access to um, all this material and no longer had to rely on, on the books I don't know if I mix it up right now um, but um
1: The, uh, you're referring to the Christie's auction, right?
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I remember that then there was a discussion about the Picard family album, um, where we finally saw all this stuff and then, um, stuff was put in there and removed and we had added walls and, and, um, yeah.
1: All of those tiny details that were way too small to see on the screen, but now we had pictures of the props. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to have a, a lot more of that these days with the, uh, the new series where producers are able to, to share in the moment. Uh, I know that it, it's kind of a, a mixed blessing in a way, but, uh, I remember last year with, uh, season two, season two of Picard, no, no recent spoilers. Um, but there was the, the massive fleet and within a day or two, uh, you know, one of the producers was publishing you know, the names of the ships and their registry numbers and their classes, and we were seeing pictures. And I still have memories of meticulously assembling the ships of Wolf 359, uh, yeah. cataloging and trying to reverse engineer what did the original ship look like before it was wrecked. Now all that material is at our fingertips on social media within a couple of days. And on one hand, it's great to be able to catalog all that. Uh, on the other hand, having, you know, we we kind of lose the opportunity to do a little bit of our own original research there. Exactly.
3: So, uh, I saw the exact very, um, post and I was uh, also shocked. Okay, I remember the Wolf uh, research project. I wasn't involved, but um, I, I w- it was amazing um, what was um, put together as a joint research project there. Yeah, I do remember
2: yeah, Wolf 359, especially the secrecy around the pictures like Here's a study model on a coffee cup. Don't share this picture, but this is what we used. <laughs> yeah, that was a different time.
3: But actually, if if you ask um, people, um, at least that is my experience, um, they they are quite open to it. I also had a look, and uh, my first um, article was um, this Xinti article from the um, animated series. Uh, Back at that time, there were rumors that the Xinti were supposed to be in Season 5 of Star Trek Enterprise. There were pictures floating around. I tracked down the guy who made this, and he was quite open with the material. He wanted to have it in there, actually. It's also nice feeling to to see that um, they... The the production team cares about the fans. That is probably what also kept me that long with with Star Trek.
0: I was always wondering when we would receive a cease and desist letter from, um I think uh, Paramount. At this time, uh, for for the pictures we included in Memory Alpha I was always a little on the careful side. Yeah, for for including more pictures than necessary. But I think Paramount never came up with the cease and desist or with uh, some lawyers, did they?
1: I, I have to give them a lot of credit that uh at least just observing from other fandoms, I know there have been some companies that are very particular about that, and I think that they seem to recognize uh you know the uh, the benefit of having this material. Uh I mean I've always wondered why Star Trek.com, the official website might not have had, you know, so much more. Um, you know, memory alpha maybe could have been some part of that at some point. Uh, except, you know, and they did have their own databases but they were very abbreviated and not even as complete as the paper encyclopedias but that just kind of demonstrates the reason why memory alpha was created it's too much work for any one person or even one company if you're throwing resources out at it because then they have to spend the money to pay the people to do it um and then there becomes the question of ownership who owns the the text and everything i I i think it's great that they're able to uh to do uh you know to do that and they've been able to take a hands-off approach uh combine that with the fact that the producers are pretty much all fans because Star mm-hmm. Trek has had such a long-term influence on society that you know, pretty much everybody who works for it uh, is a fan of the show in some way. And we all can have – we can all be fans for different reasons. We all love our different series. We all love our different characters. We all have different interpretations on uh, certain controversies. But uh, at the same time, we all know why we love to do this. And getting those contributions from the producers so that they can create and provide, you know, and share material with the fans, and then the fans – And all of their obsessions and list making and uh, cataloging then feeds back to them. So it's definitely a mutually beneficial relationship there. And it seems like whether it's an accident and oversight or whether it's a deliberate (laughs) policy at some level, it's Mm -hmm. definitely worked out very well for everybody, I think.
2: Yeah, and I think these days it's become a part of so many media uh, like every series is now part of a universe look at marvel or the star wars universe is expanding as well so i think it's more or less expected now that you need a wiki to even understand which character is which Um, or at least they all like to service that kind of fandom like oh you remember this and know this character and we will use them in the series to tell their stories yeah i think that kind of connected
1: universe is really the norm now? Maybe. Okay. Memory Alpha is the people. It's the collective. Can we use that word? Resistance yeah. is futile.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it's addictive. You cannot get out. Uh, oh, what yes. about
0: the um, the the domain? There once in a time there w- was a domain called memory-alpha.org. We don't uh, own the domain anymore, do we?
2: No. Um, that happened in 2008. Mm-hmm. I think it was about the time when the domain had to be uh, renewed for a couple of more years. And then Wikia was concerned maybe that they didn't own that domain and while they did it for uh, the other big wikis, like uh, the World Warcraft wiki or the Star Wars wiki or Encyclopedia was also around back then. And we were both, well, not really active contributors anymore. So yeah, that kind of led to the transfer of the domain to uh, wikia would i do that today probably not but yeah that's what happened why wouldn't i do it today well i mean obviously they are making money from the wiki these days so they're obviously a bit more business savvy maybe about this whole thing than we ever were Um, on the other hand there are almost no independent wikis around uh, these days Um I know the Battlestar Galactica wiki was always independent, but that no longer exists. So it's very hard to do it you have to dedicate a lot of time to it if you want to do it yourself. And I don't know.
1: I have a similar, you know, gut feeling myself is that I wish that I, you know, had or took the time to spend more to maintain it, but with the resources that we had, with the time that we had available It was something that, you know, was not practical for us. At at the time, we just thought it was just kind of a formality of, you know, because they were already, Wikia had been hosting the website for at least two years by that point. They'd been hosting Memory Alpha. So we didn't really think all that much of it. I don't remember when they stopped using the the Memory Alpha domain as its own as the primary location for the, uh, for the wiki and then just turned it into a redirect um, because yeah, it, it's, there's that bit of ego that makes you want to say memory alpha should be its own thing, not just one of the bigger aspects of the, uh, the fandom uh, community of wikis. Uh, but at the same time, nobody is a fan or very few people I imagine are a fan of just one single show. So having, you know, Memory Alpha be part of that, just as an outsider perspective, you know, not having been directly involved in uh, running Memory Alpha or coordinating Memory Alpha lately, uh, I do see the benefits of having it as it is. Um, I wish there were fewer ads, you know, a little bit less of the, uh, you know, Chrome and, you know, widgets and doodads on the sides. Uh, but overall, I think it's, it's done pretty well, for, you know, overall.
0: Do, do you, do you think there would be an alternative for, um, memory alpha on an independent, uh, service? Like, I don't know, crowdfunded or even hosted by Paramount. I would definitely not give it to Paramount. Uh,
2: <laughs> I don't think that would be very independent. And I'm not sure they are the best at hosting their own TV series on streaming platforms, let alone uh <laughs> memory alpha um yeah i think you could i don't think they actually own the content any more than we do so you can probably just take the content and host your own memory uh, alpha under a new name um, i think that has happened to a few uh wikis that split off from wikia i know it happened to wow wiki they split off and became wowpedia that was very successful although They are not independent uh, anymore as well. Um, You probably would have a problem directing traffic to your new Memory Alpha somehow. Because the names and also
1: getting the uh, the participants and the contributors to uh, to move, because that would potentially be splitting the uh, the fans there. Yeah, it it
2: would be splitting up the the database as well. Like now you have two encyclopedias. It, It
1: would be difficult. So I think it's not not out of the question. Uh, I, I see you know see the potential benefits, but it's something that would have to be you'd have to be very careful about doing it and make sure that there's enough interest and demand. Uh, whether it's worth it, it's one of those questions like like the other things that we've said. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I can say we've made the best decisions with the information we had at the time.
0: Yeah, you're talking about splitting up the the database and uh, splitting up memory alpha. That's actually what happened uh, in the German version, I think, f- f- four or five years ago. And uh, there was a discussion about some new features from fandom and the ever-growing advertisement on the pages and no fandom uh, staff member uh actually listened to them and then they broke up. And someone downloaded the database and then there is a new memory alpha for Germany and the actual fandom memory alpha. They are now running in parallel. Yeah half of the uh, users uh went away. They uh didn't stay with the fandom or with the independent website. They just went away. They were so frustrated from the uh whole um Yeah, discussion uh, that they never uh, came back to any of the projects.
1: Yeah, that that is a disappointment.
2: Sadly, it's part of how the internet works these days that people used to make their own websites. And now if you're lucky, you make a Facebook group or you
0: just use social media and nothing else. I think, yeah, the internet has changed a lot in those years as well. Um, Jan, you already said this, uh, you were active not only on the German memory alpha, but also on some international memory alphas, including the English one. How many, uh, language versions
3: did you, um, contribute to? So I mostly use this as, um, setting, uh, interwiki links. So I remember that, um, it started, of course, out with the um, English version. Then we had the Dutch version. We had the German version. We had the Swedish version for a short time, but I think it never uh, kicked off. We had a French version. As I said, we uh, imported a complete dataset of of a Spanish version Portuguese, and um, yeah. So uh, back back then, um, remember when we could um, still download the uh, the, the database. Uh, I, I just um did run a bot and um had it um, all connected um, to each other so that you could switch the different languages uh which yeah probably then also helped and okay if, if that article is um, so incomplete uh maybe i can uh, have a look uh, in in the english version maybe it's um more extensive uh, there so you were just linking the articles
0: between the languages. I had the idea that you would be fluent in 12 languages and contributing articles yeah. in these.
3: No, not so really. So uh, I I was um um able to to read in the language uh, what was supposed to be written and there and then apply also some uh, wiki formatting but mostly (laughs) uh, to to show the the newcomers there how this is uh, done and uh yeah but no uh, i'm i'm absolutely not fluent in anything else than uh uh, german and uh and english
0: um Uh. do do you know if uh, google
3: translate was a thing that back then could be, but I'm not absolutely not sure. I recall that reading the Spanish stuff was actually easy to grasp because you had the the knowledge what was supposed to re- be written in there, and mm-hmm. with the Dutch uh, stuff as well.
0: Harry, I think you were active in the Dutch version of Memory Alpha.
2: No, yeah. I actually never was. Well, I made an account, maybe I did a few things, but I was never really active or involved with the Dutch um, Memory Alpha. Uh, it's also very strange to read about Star Trek in Dutch. I I'm used to talking about
0: Star Trek in English mostly. <laughs> yeah, because you see the series and the films in English. Um yeah, yeah, usually have subtitles. So if you want to write about it
2: in in yeah. Dutch, you actually have to translate it yourself, which is quite difficult. Like what do you do with
0: alien names? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or the Techno Bible Oh,
2: yeah. How does that work in Germany? Is there a group of people that make the official German translation for all this Star Trek stuff?
3: Well, the, the movies, um, um, but, but actually they, they follow quite, uh, quite a system. So, uh, for some very odd reason, for a very, very long time, we had all the, um, Star Trek ranks, um, in the English form, except for the Ensign. Uh, where they uh, used a completely unrelated uh, name for this in uh, non-commissioned uh, officers uh, rank title for, for it. so they called him fanrich everything else is uh quite germanized so um it's kind of the natural way how you translate um uh, stuff that that's in there um in the in the very old um it's, it's on the original series um uh, that we had the um, system that uh, the one um, TV station brought, bought it and uh, created a translation system and um, they only bought one third of the episodes randomly, randomly from from all three seasons. Um, and, uh, so, um, if, if you now watch them in, in sequence at the one point, uh, uh, Captain Kirk says, uh, let's go to Soul 5. And, uh, in the next, uh, episode, he says, let's go to Warp 5. Uh, and so, uh, for, for some reason, they, they translated stuff like this. But, um, I mean, we have the lithium, uh, crystals, um, the lithium crystalle.
0: I think I can one up you because, uh, the German, uh, television, Uh, version of uh, the original series so the the episodes were cut from i think uh, 40 or 45 minutes back to uh, 30 minutes so you lost 15 minutes of time so you have to uh, leave out some things and in one episode actually um when spock had his uh, ponfa they, they cut the whole episode back and forth and, and changed the, the meaning because they were worried that, uh, all the innocent children were now confronted with a uh, Spock who had some weird feelings, you understand. And so he had, um, a space fever at the moment and he was sick and this made no sense. Well, howsoever. But, um, Nowadays, you can get the original series on Blu-ray. I think they remastered it. They uh, recreated the special effects with computer graphics, and they recreated the uh, dubbed or voice-overed uh, missing pieces yes
3: uh right in in the tv it's now also that they broadcast um their remastered versions only and in one scene just just to cut um the voices are completely different
0: yeah and in the netherlands you had don't have that that's no we it was always broadcast in english but with dutch
2: subtitles but yeah usually don't don't bother translating alien names or technology names so even the subtitles you just use the english words for that
3: yeah, but I, I think on on the DVDs you um also see um or well, hear the different uh, styles, how how the different languages uh, exist, and I think there's also a French uh, dubbing. and actually about Blu-rays and DVDs, the
2: Dutch DVD market has completely well almost disappeared. So when I have to buy like those 4K movie releases now, I have to buy the German releases because there are what? no Dutch releases anymore yeah sadly and the english ones from the uk well brexit that's too expensive so yeah
0: okay i understand that you can't uh uh, buy a cd or a dvd or whatever physical media now in the brick and mortar store uh, down the road because uh for for us in germany the cds and dvds disappeared and amazon has an online store and you can order that uh, on this way, but, uh, there is no market for Dutch DVDs.
3: But I re- recall that, um, my, uh, episodes of, of, um, um, my b- first DVD set of the remaster series, I imported them from the Dutch because they were cheaper than, uh, buying ah. in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for some odd reasons. That seems And I was, yeah. was very worried that, um, I might not have, um, a German, mm. uh, German, uh, language uh, track on there
2: but usually you get the same european yeah. ones i think yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: did you play any star trek games i can remember there was a first person shooter at some time or um star trek captain's chair i think it was uh, named where there was a simulation or, or something like this with the Enterprise. Yeah. yes
1: Oh yes. I I have uh actually I think I still have the uh, the Captain's Chair disc uh somewhere and uh there was the, the Omnipedia which was basically the oh, Star yes, Trek encyclopedia on CD. That was such a great thing to interact with. The first Star Trek game I played. I've never been one for for first person shooters, but I did have the Star Trek 25th Anniversary computer game. Uh which was that seriously pixelated, maybe it was 8-bit or 16-bit computer graphics. I didn't even adventure have the game, version yep. with the audio. Yeah, the mm-hmm. yeah, the adventure game, the puzzles. Uh, and that was that was my first Star Trek game. Mm. Uh, was that
3: the one with Trelane in the Red Baron or was that in Judgment Rite?
1: Uh, I think that was Judgment right. Uh The one that I had was uh, it had Harry Mudd. It was similar uh, in style, though. Yeah, I bought
3: my very first computer with the excuse that I want to play Klingon Honor Guard or so. And, uh, still it didn't really, uh, work quite well. Yeah. The, the Voyager ego shooter, that was quite yeah. successful. Uh,
2: Elite force or something. Elite, Elite force. force. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I think they, they also, also th- had a, had a mod for this, um, uh, a toss theme. So yeah, I remember that's the one I played. Yeah. yeah. You could have. Yeah. <laughs> Dan has a
0: collection. <laughs> is nope.
1: standing
3: up to install
0: it now. And, no, uh, <laughs> I just realized
1: I know where they are we we have
0: the evening on the online server with uh, with each other
1: <laughs> i wow. i just realized i i have some of them here there's the the ship i found i found my captain's chair wow. desk yes. <laughs> nice <laughs> great yes and oh uh, i remember this one was so neat the starship creator oh uh, that was a rip off that was it a total rip off. But it had um, a neat could, idea, could, but
3: it and, and you could download a database from there. It ha- had a lot of uh, names for all the different characters. Uh, they invented right. first names that were never used uh, anywhere else, but um all made up. <laughs> yeah. But the other gameplay I, I never um really grasped, so um I, I didn't understand the concept there. Did did you have the um the one that was um, based on, on farsa Starfleet command. Starfleet command? Yeah, Starfleet
2: Command 3 or something I think I played for a while and I very briefly played
0: Star Trek Online but they have an important role these days as the provider of starships I played Elite Force and I had the captain's chair uh, with all those quick time movie events but uh, other than that I evaded Star Trek games because I had the idea that the licensed game would be a bad game because many 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 games with movie licenses uh, were just yeah bull crap let's say this and um yeah uh, the the 25th anniversary anniversary um um adventure i never played i never played i think i um didn't have a pc back then i had an Amiga, and uh, that's the reason why i didn't play
1: this Yeah, I've always been uh uh a Mac person, so the gaming availability on the Mac has been mixed over the years. Uh some of them were there and then just like Elite Force they made for the Mac. I just never uh you know got too interested in that particular one. Uh so yeah, that that's I've never been a huge computer gamer or uh you know, even a console gamer myself. So a few here and there, but not many. And role-playing? Back
3: then, there, there was a big... Um, it's a rich background material that they designed in the 80s for FASA. Did, did you ever consider these?
1: Relatively recently. Uh, I have a friend uh, who still has some of the FASA materials. So we do a uh, a regular RPG night. And for a few months, we, uh, we did a Star Trek role-play. Um, that was very uh, a very fun way to pass the time cuz most of us were star trek fans um i also uh have uh, we between us we've got a uh, a couple of the tabletop star Tre- uh, star trek games uh there's one called fleet captains that is really fun for any starship nerd uh and uh there's another one called ascendancy
0: uh, can you describe that for me? Because I have no idea about role playing. Uh, h- how can I uh, imagine that? Uh, do you do you sit at the table and then invent your ideas, or is it like a board game or?
1: Uh, the they're, they're the board games basically. Uh, so fleet captains. Uh, there's a bunch of miniatures, miniature ships. Uh, and you lay out a bunch of cards all face down to represent the galaxy. And as you explore, you flip the cards over uh, to find out what's in that star system. Uh, and then, of course, there's a combat aspect to it. So you're playing Starfleet. You might run up against the Klingons or the Romulans, and you, you fight it out, too. Um, and then there's all sorts of events for exploration. You might end up meeting Q or the tribbles. Uh, so that's fleet captains. Uh, it takes up a lot of, it's a fair amount of time to set up with all the, the cards you have to lay out, but it's really fun. Uh, and then ascendancy is a bit like, um, it's almost a bit like civilization in a way. Uh, similar, it sounds similar at first because you start with one star system and you're exploring and, you know, going out into the galaxy, but it's more on the strategic level rather than the tactical level. Um, so you're building, you know, building your colonies, setting up trading agreements with the other, uh, you know, alien empires that are around you. So those are the, uh, those are the two tabletop board, board game style that I've played. Uh, did you ever hear about, uh, a
0: card game not a board game but a card game named uh i have it here in my hands you can't see it because uh, the communication cam uh, went out it's named star trek the next generation customizable card game
1: never played that one but i've definitely seen uh, a lot do of the cards know? and pictures
0: yeah Do you do you know magic the gathering yeah, hearing. then yeah. then then you understand the idea. Oh, uh, okay. So you have to uh, buy booster pack after booster <laughs> pack after booster pack. I I <laughs> I bought I think five six seven pounds of cards. I can't count them. Mm. I just weighed them. Uh, I found them uh, in in uh, in the basement today, and um, you can hear this. This is the limited edition collector's tin box with a certificate of authenticity Ah! and i have number 29,099 very limited yeah i think it's it's uh, worth a fortune today maybe five euro or six i don't know (laughs) and i even went to a tournament I felt I had uh, bought enough cards and uh, but I've never played the game. I think that was the problem with me because I was the second to last in the tournament. So I lost I think every game uh, I- 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 except for one maybe. I don't know, I can't recall this. So everyone uh, was uh, um was called uh, to the stage to get the trophy and so on and so on and even the last guy so the last in the tournament got um, a trophy that that was my time with a card game based <laughs> on on Star Trek i think that the cards are very beautiful so they have a very uh, interesting idea on on um mixing the stories from next generation with the card game I think they invented a first season or first series of cards and then played around a little bit with the rules and then they had another uh, series of cards but I think in the third year of of production they uh, just quit it and never released anything again.
2: Yeah I also play a lot of board games and I love them but I don't actually have any Star Trek related uh, board games but yeah ascendancy looks interesting maybe i should i have the same thing uh, what you said about video games usually licensed games are a bit well we have the license let's quickly make a game that's it but i know a few uh, star trek frontiers is another one that's it's based on another game basically a reskin of a quite a good game but problem is i have the original game so other than that what's your biggest collectible i have a few of those old books i love all the i collected all a lot of those like 80s fandom starship manuals the ships of the Starfleet, and um, the star trek maps that's a little earlier i think yeah uh, definitely federation reference series that kind of stuff for a long time this is after memory alpha i was in all sorts of facebook groups with actually those people and all the fans of that work and we did a lot of um, like starship drawing and making up histories all with the idea like like what happens to Star Trek if you just take the original series and nothing else, like um, actually build on that because that's they say a lot of things that have been changed in later series. But if you take just the original series at face value, um, they have a few interesting things. Like at one point they say, well, Vulcans and humans didn't work together for very long. So if you just take that, then you can almost build a uh, another version of star trek that's just that which is quite interesting i did that for a while so yeah i collect, collected a lot of those books i had a few of those models here <laughs> the amt uh, models yeah that was fun but i think yeah the most interesting things probably the starfleet technical manual the first edition one and the star trek maps just because it's a really beautiful thing
1: i'm also uh, i i I was uh, very much into building the AMT models uh, when I was in high school, uh, and I've gotten back into that since the pandemic started. So uh, I got a few model kits, uh, some of them the official licensed AMT. Uh, I got a few uh, resin kits as well, the ones that I can kind of assemble and paint myself. Uh, so that's been kind of a fun pastime
2: yeah and then of course we have the eagle moss models these days
1: oh yeah but
2: uh, yeah i had to limit myself to just buying or- original series stuff because
1: <laughs> so tempting so <laughs> yeah. tempting can't have fun. don't have enough space for them all
2: no my house is enough star trek and lego so i can't put it Think everywhere of lego.
3: Do, do you um, know the new lego series uh, uh, no, not Lego. It, it's, um, I don't know what the English word is, but in, uh, in, in John, we have to say, uh, Klembaustein. Um, yeah. it, it's from one of the competitors, Blue Bricks, I think.
2: Fake Lego, you mean?
3: No. <laughs> no, no. It, uh, no I, I mean, yeah, I know. The, the, I, the patent has expired and, mm-hmm. uh, so other companies are you now using it. And they, they uh, one of the companies has, uh, has a nice, um, collection of, of, uh, new stuff there. They have the Star Trek um, license, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's no, I, I don't car. have uh,
2: any of that. No. no. What's that brand again? Blue, Blue, Bricks? Blue Bricks, I think.
0: Yeah, it's Blue Bricks and uh, they have uh, several uh, models. I think in two, um, two sizes. So it's a um, display size or a, a smaller, like pl- play around with size. Yeah, I remember one time I uh, wanted to assemble my, my model kit uh, for an um, USS Enterprise D, which was illuminated. And the problem was I, um, the model came with the drill and the drill head was, I think, uh, uh, less than a millimeter in thickness because, uh, all the fiber optics had to, to, uh, stick in the hole. And I think I broke the, 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 the drill head. Other than that, I had the um, uh, Deep Space Nine as a model, I think Deep Space Nine, and I think that's it. Yeah, I, I yeah. have the Enterprise C somewhere in bits. I have the Enterprise D with the nacelles
2: came off. <laughs> I have the Cardassian ship with the little sorcerer also came off.
0: <laughs> yeah. You you know that you can combine all the parts and bits to a completely new oh. uh, ship. That's uh, cause I think uh, kit bashing. Yeah, Wolf 359 ship. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's true. As, as far as people, you know, contributing, I, I wonder if part of it is there is a heck of a lot more Star Trek now. Uh, 2019 is when, uh, lower decks started coming out, right? So I wonder if it's just that because there's more and more. It's harder to keep track of it all. Uh, at least there's the perception of that, perhaps, because technically we're not really getting much more Star Trek, or at least, uh, last year in 2022, we had, um, about 50 or 51 episodes. Uh, and that's about the same number as what we had in the average year when we had two Uh, series, whether it was, you know, next generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, when those two, when, when two of those shows were running concurrently. So it's not that there's all that much more. It just feels like it's more in a way because there's more series, different stories. And so there's more Mm -hmm. to keep track of. And so maybe some people are just feeling like a little burned out from trying to keep track of it all. Just speculating there. Talking of lower decks, that might actually be one of my favorite new series. I love lower decks. Lower it's decks so and good. Strange New Worlds are my two favorites.
2: Yeah. I suspect they actually add things just so they get to write about it on Memory Alpha. <laughs> I wonder where it's going because Discovery is now, well, it's canceled the right word, or at least it's ending.
1: Um, I'd say canceled because they weren't planning to end the mm, show. Okay. So that's how I would put it.
2: Uh, I really enjoyed the last season. I thought moving the story to the far future and actually coming up with a new style for Starfleet and stuff like that was really interesting.
1: I very much enjoyed Discovery as well. Uh there's, you know, different things that I feel clash with my own preconceptions of of the show, but I love a lot of the characters. I love the messages that they have, especially as the show has gone on. Uh so I am very sad to see it go.
2: Yeah. And I wonder what it means for like the big connected universe ideas they seemingly had or have.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I mean who knows what the production will bring. Uh you know, it's everybody seems to want to cut costs now, at least for a while. There'll be another cycle soon enough, I hope. Star Trek survived uh two droughts already. I I know we'll be uh we'll be okay. Definitely, yeah.
3: Yeah, probably it was also live on in in books and novels and stuff like this. Not that I have uh, touched them, but um, yeah, I think that was always uh, what kept it alive. Thank you for coming. Thank you for
0: attending. Thank you for answering because I uh, actually got in touch with a
3: lot of people to uh, join me. That was very interesting indeed. Uh, So uh, thanks, Florian, for setting this up, for having this uh, idea, for bringing us all together.
1: Well, Florian, thank you so much for organizing this because, uh, you know, when we started Memory Alpha, we never really, you know, we just had an idea of a project. It was something we wanted to do and there was, no end in sight. It wasn't something where we would ever think, okay, we're done. Uh but the fact that it's uh continued uh is just a testament to how many people love the show and have this common interest and just want to you know share and you know share the things that they've noticed and also pick up on the things that everybody else has noticed in the show.
0: It's a miracle for me that this uh, website uh, was so dramatically uh, increasing in in purpose and in value for for the production side of uh, Star Trek uh, uh, over the years. So tw- twenty years in the making, and it is now uh, something uh, in the toolbox of of the writers' room. And uh, I think this this is very yeah, it's 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 a unique thing. I think. Yeah, and it it's powered by the fans,
2: really. So that's really interesting. It's like a. Feedback loop of some kind. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think we should also thank all the contributors over the years that have
0: actually written all these articles um, for us and f- for the whole community. So yeah. There are 70,000, more than uh, 17,000 um, users on the memory alpha in English with one or more contributions. It's, it's a large number.
2: Yeah, we definitely didn't have that in mind in
0: 2003.
2: <laughs> but yeah, very happy that it worked out, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I figured it would be a few dozen people that would uh, <laughs> that would contribute. Yeah, and basically it just kept the, on going and going.
2: The guys in that flare topic, those people would write a few articles <laughs> and then we'd move
0: on to the next database. Yeah. What do you what do you think the Vision of Star Trek would be in 20 years or your
1: vision of your life would be in 20 years. For Star Trek, I would say that it's going to continue to be a reflection of our hopes and our fears. And I think that's part of, uh, why Star Trek, there's been a lot of discussion about what we have currently. Uh, you know, discovery in a way, I think is a reflection of our fears over the last you know, five to eight years uh, of of everything happening in the world? Uh, And then how do we react to that? How do we hold on to what makes us human in that uh, type of a world? Uh, And so, in a way, I think that because Star Trek is aspirational, it's really hard to predict exactly what it will be like. Uh, But I think there's always something that we're striving for. So, Star Trek, you know, whatever it looks like, memory alpha, I think it can keep on going as long as there's a place to support it. Uh, you know, and as we discussed earlier, if, you know, the corporation has an issue, but thankfully because of the structure, we can still recreate it and, and move on and, and build it and somebody can. Uh, so I think at this point, it may have, uh, you know, and a potentially indefinite life. That doesn't mean infinite, but uh, indefinite. <laughs> Who knows how long it'll go?
2: Yeah, I think what you said is right. Star Trek is always a reflection of the time where it's made in. And I also think Star Trek is at its most interesting when it's trying new things, um, telling new stories. But yeah, it can do so many things. And like one of the things that Discovery actually showed us is you can tell the same story again or in a different setting or it's not all as fixed as it sometimes looks. Um, so yeah, I think uh, there can be a whole lot more Star Trek in the next 20 years.
3: Yeah, so the original um, Star Trek was um, just a uh, Western in a different setting. So uh, Star Trek will always reinvent itself and uh, give the current uh, generation the Star Trek that is Living there, we saw the reinvention with uh, the next generation. A small variation with um, uh, Deep Space Nine, and uh, then again in with with Enterprise, trying to fit in somewhere in the in the universe, but um, being adapted to that time. And also the the new movies are essentially the very same approach, always um, taking that theme and uh, putting it in a current uh, generation. So Star Trek is ever evolving, but always staying
0: the same. And uh, yeah, connected with the reality and uh, with the time. And time is changing, so Star Trek is changing. Um, thank you for your participation and thank you for your kind words for me. Um, I hope I see you soon. And uh yeah for the viewers, thank you for watching and uh maybe there will be a second or a third season. <laughs> okay. See you, bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Yeah, bye.
2: Thanks Florian.